One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet. But if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home internet. Cox is the real home internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com slash internet for details. Hello, listeners, and welcome back to yet again another episode of the Beautiful Game podcast. As ever, I'm your host, Budge, joined by my faithful two co-conspirators, Dot and Dej. Before we get stuck into the episode this evening, I need to remind you that if you're not yet following us on all of our platforms, I don't know where you've been hiding. Maybe you live under a rock, but you need to get with it. Follow us. Uh, Hit that subscribe button. Hit that like button on this video. Um, So you can be uh, up to speed with all of the content that we release. And whenever we have a release on YouTube, you're always the first to find out about it and always the first to hear it on various social platforms. On Twitter, it's at podcast underscore TBG. On Instagram, it's at pod underscore TBG. And you can listen to all of our audio uh, interviews via our um, audio platform in Spotify. So, gentlemen, how are we doing this fine evening? Are we well? I'm good. I'm good, brother. Great yeah, I'm stuff. good, bro, man. Happy to be here. You know, it's been a minute since we've done one of these, so looking forward to it, bro. Exactly that, man. You alluded to it there, Dej, in that it's been a little while since we've actually had a bit of a, a dissection of, of a game. You know, we're taking yeah. and we're throwing it back to the very, very <laughs> early days of yeah. TBG, man, where we would we would dissect the various games and whatnot. And we have a perfect opportunity to, you know, in the aftermath of... Um, you know, the Carabao Cup final between Manchester City and, and Spurs, which, of course, we saw um, Manchester City come away victorious and lift and hoist their fourth Carabao Cup um, title. Um, and I suppose, I mean, there's no better place to start than what your um, thoughts were on the game in particular. Are there Are there any surprises with the outcome of the game with the performances that both teams put in, or was it more of what you had expected? Dej, we're going to kick things off with you. Um, Yeah, it was more of what I expected, to be honest. We knew it was going to be a game where Manchester City monopolised the ball and Tottenham were going to sit up in the low block and try and spring the counter-attack, relying mainly on Heung-Min Sun and Harry Kane. But I have to say, to be honest, I was a bit surprised about how deep Tottenham were sitting back. Initially, 
you know, in the first half. I think they were clinging on for their life. You know, they gave Manchester City too much respect. I thought in a cup final, the mentality should be, you know what, this is a one-off game. Let's give it all we can and see where we come up. But I think Tottenham, you know, really, they were sitting ducks. And I think that's probably the mentality that has been seeping through the club for the past 20, 25 years and why I've got no confidence in them when they get into a final or when there's a one-off game for them to win it. I always go against them because I think it's something that's just steeped in their DNA. Very, very interesting. And, and Dot, do you share that same sentiment? Were you um, surprised at all by Tottenham's performance? Were you unimpressed by the way that they set up and, and approached the game? Yeah, I was very surprised, if I'm being honest. I'm surprised that the game ended 1-0 to Manchester City <laughs> because <laughs> on another day it could have been 5 or 6 and Tottenham couldn't have had any complaints because Man City dominated them from minute one to minute 90. And I think I wanted Tottenham to come into this final and be brave, play on the front foot. And if you lose 2-0, 3-0, I think neutral fans will say, you know what, at least you had a go. You went out there to attack. You went out there to play football and, you know, put in a performance for Ryan Mason. But I think the way they performed in that game is just totally unacceptable. And when you think of Tottenham, they were, you know, one of the leading clubs for the ESL. And you look at them, are they at that level to be one of the top teams in Europe right now? Absolutely not. And the way they approached the game yesterday was almost like, a relegation team, if I'm being totally honest. That's how I would expect a Sheffield United or a West Brom, no disrespect to those clubs, to approach a game against Manchester City. And I think the performance was really, really embarrassing, if I'm being totally honest. Hmm. So, from both of you, you know, you've both mentioned the fact that the way that they went about the game and, and um, you know, their approach to the game wasn't... Um, a very uh you know encouraging they didn't really go um go for it basically in, in a one-off game and <clears throat> you know a large part of that we can put down to the manager right we always speak about the fact that it's the manager that sets out the team that um sets the the, the, the strategy the plan the tactics and so on and so forth and I know we love a, a boxing analogy on our platform right when you compare both managers you're comparing apples and oranges. You're talking about Pep Guardiola, who is elite world level, and Ryan Mason, who is a white collar level, right? <laughs> yeah. So, so ultimately, I know you know we, we can be disappointed with the players and their performances and whatnot, but is a lot. I mean, can do we do we need to put a portion, a large part, down to the ineptitude and the lack of experience of a Ryan Mason? as the first question I want to ask you guys. And, and on the back of that is the fact that obviously Spurs decided to sack their head coach in Jose Mourinho six days before the final. Do you feel that if he was in charge, that their approach to that final would have been any different or their performance would have been any different? And we'll kick things off with you on this one, Doc. I think you could have had Jurgen Klopp in charge of those Tottenham players and you probably probably would have seen the same performance. Um, wow. They've played terrible football all season. Midfielders were poor. And I think it it opens up a bigger question because when you look at Tottenham's recent recruitment, if we're being totally honest, it's been bad. Like, Blesselso was a 60 million investment. Um, and Don Bailey, who was 
you know, dubbed and hyped up to be this next special midfield French talent, 64 million. For me, I'm yet to be convinced. Regulon, who started like a house on fire at Tottenham, and in the last three or four months, he's been not great, to say the least. Mac Doherty, one of the leading right-backs at Wolves, has come to Tottenham, and he's having a terrible time. You know, I got told by one source that he's just not happy at the club at the moment. And it's all well and good saying, oh, you know, Tottenham, their squad is poor, but we have to shine a spotlight on their recruitment because at the end of the day, they've spent a lot of money over the past two years and they're not reaping the rewards out of the money that they've spent. And and do you feel the same way, Dej? Do you feel that... Even having Mourinho in charge, you know, we've seen him in the off get in the in the one off games, and you know how he he has come up trumps in in certain big occasions on you know on on the on the on the, on the biggest platforms. Do you feel that you know he it, he he wouldn't have added any difference to that Spurs side? Um, I think with Mourinho, we're talking about nostalgia. To be honest, that was the Mourinho of old, the Mourinho that we've seen in this Tottenham in the big games. He hasn't delivered, but I would say. I would have given them much more of a chance had I seen him in there, in the dugout. With Ryan Mason, as you mentioned, novice, he's a white-collar manager. And I think it's probably a bit disrespectful to say he should have changed the tactics or could he have done something good. Let's remember, it's probably a week ago that Mourinho got sacked and a week isn't long enough for you to change the mentality, change the tactics of the team. But I think it seemed like Tottenham were playing Hulk football. You know, and as Doc mentioned, the recruitment hasn't been great, but the management, I think, leaves a lot to be desired. I said at the time when Pochettino got sacked, usually it's out with the old, in with the new. Here it was in with the old, out with the new. And I think that was a bad decision from Daniel Levy, to be honest. I think Mourinho seemed to be sort of like a vanity project for him. He seemed to think, you know, this is a man that can win us the title. This is someone that I've admired from afar. But again, we all saw it from the outside looking in that that was going to be an appointment that ultimately ended in Tez. And, and still on, I mean, thanks for that that, that um, point of view, Dej. I think it is a really, really interesting one. I, I think the other thing that I, I, I consider and think about um, when it comes to the whole decision to sack Mourinho when they did on the part of Spurs is that they were expecting some kind of of bounce back performance and I know we've spoken about um that in 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 previous episodes that we've done when we've been dissecting games and talking about the you know the right time to um to sack managers and whatnot I I, I suppose the, the question that I want to ask you guys is in in terms of timing do you feel like it was the right time to let Mourinho go? Do you feel that um, Spurs made the right decision? And and looking forward, of course, now we're, we're, we're at the tail end of the season. There are only a few uh, games left to play in, the, in this season. And, and, you know, how things are looking currently, Tottenham aren't going to finish in the, in the champion, in the coveted Champions League positions. So where, where does this leave them going forward in terms of their pursuit of a, a top-level manager, a, a manager that is young, as you alluded to, Dej, who's got fresh and bright ideas and that can help them 
develop their footballing style and, and, and push on to the next level? Like, where, where do you guys feel that they are at this point in time? Obviously, reports came out today um, that they're considering Eric Ten Hag, the Ajax manager. I think he's a good fit. He's a you know manager that we've seen over the past few years play that brand of football that you know the Tottenham fans want to see. A very similar style to Pochettino in his prime, high energy, high octane, pressing from the front, not giving the opposition any breathing space. So I think he will be a good fit, and. I also think Brendan Rodgers is well at Leicester. He won't thank me for saying this, but I think he's done a terrific job at Leicester. And I think if any of the top six um, vacancies became available, he should be at the top of everyone's list because to me, he's a terrific manager. And then going back to your point on Jose Mourinho, I think surely it must have been something to do with the contract. Maybe if he won the Carabao Cup, it makes it harder for Tottenham to relieve him of these duties at the end of the season or he would demand more compensation. So I think in terms of timing, I don't think it was the best time, but I think it was the time to get it done easily to do it. 100%. And and of course, there's some people that um, feel that that Tottenham decided to also do it. And, and it was it was perfect timing with regard to the announcement of the, uh, the, uh, the Super League because... Mm-hmm. Because there was so much uh, clamour and there was so much uh, discussion around that, it kind of was a, a situation where Mourinho left through the back door with with there not being too many questions asked on that front. Um, what do you think, Dej, in terms of the timing of the Mourinho sacking? And then also, um, going forward, do, do, you, do you agree with some of the suggestions that Dot made in terms of potential um, future candidates for, for the helm at Tottenham? Yeah, to be fair, I was shocked. When I saw that on my phone, the notification, I was like, wow, right, I thought they were going to give him to the end of the season. We could all see that this project had probably run its legs. But for Daniel Levy to act before a final, where, you know, in a one-off game, as you mentioned, Mourinho, a lot of people in the past would have put big money on him to get a result. Um, yeah, but I was a bit sh- um, surprised with the, with, the, with the sacking. But in terms of going forward, with the managers being linked, Obviously, there was Nagelsmann, who's high on the top of a lot of teams' agendas. Um, Christian Falk broke today that he had a total agreement regarding personal terms with Bayern Munich to join them. And obviously, it's going to be a massive release clause. Brendan Rodgers, I don't see it happening, if I'm being honest. Um, I saw him come out recently and say that he's totally happy with the project that's going on with Leicester. They've recently moved to a new training ground and I think he's got the power at Leicester. He's the main man there. At Tottenham, you sort of got that complex dynamic of Daniel Levy, you know, running the books, running the club. And I'm not sure whether he would want to fit into that dynamic because he had a similar situation when he was at um, Liverpool. And obviously that didn't go too well. I think maybe a small part of that was to do with how Brendan probably saw himself wanting to take control of everything. And as we spoke to him on our podcast, he sort of alluded to the fact that you know, let the experts do their jobs. I'm an expert coach and let me do my stuff. So when you sort of look at the list of names, other than that, Ten Hag, good manager. We saw his Ajax team. He's got, you know, plenty of clout in European football. But when you go below that, there's not many exciting names. Um, Mauricio Sarri, obviously done a great job at Juventus. Some feel was harshly sacked at Chelsea. He's a competent manager. Rafael Benitez, he might not excite the Tottenham fans, but 
he gets results. Then you've got the young upstart, Scott Parker. He's someone that's caught the eye this season with his Fulham team. You know, would Tottenham want to take the leap of faith with him? He's someone that obviously played for Tottenham as well. So he knows the club inside out. So I think when you look beyond Ten Hag, mm. there's no real names. They go, wow, this is, mm. this is really mad. So it's all up in the air for Tottenham. Yeah, 100%. Certainly um, got to be one of those occasions that we have to just uh, hold hold fire and wait and see because, you know, they they are definitely one of those clubs that there is a, a, a large upheaval required. Uh, you know, you spoke about the, the recent um, transfer policy and the fact that, you know, so, so, some of the signings are flattered to deceive. Um, and of course, you know, it was well stated and documented from Mourinho in terms of how he felt about the squad needing uh, a bit of a facelift, particularly in, in, in defence. Um, now, I, you know, we saw a, a very interesting uh, stat that came out just after the game um, that was looking at um, Harry Kane versus... Um, Carl Walker since he left Spurs um, and so uh, having left Spurs at the age of 27 I believe it was Carl Walker um, with that Carabao Cup win has lifted his ninth trophy since leaving Spurs um, and of course it is in stark contrast to the zero trophies that Harry Kane has uh, won at Spurs whilst, whilst um, being there at, uh, at a similar period of time the issue that Harry Kane um, finds himself in is that he has, I think, three years left on his current deal. So some might remember that he signed a six-year contract back in 2018. And that was around the time that Pochettino was still manager. Things were on the up and up. There were, of course, talks of this uh, high-tech, state-of-the-art new stadium Um you know, Deli Ali was 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 firing on all cylinders. Um, Son was as well, and every, there was a real feel good factor about Spurs. And so, of course, Harry Kane felt that at that point in time, with all things considered, he was in the best place to aid his development and and progress. And that um, trophies were on the you know on the on the cards in 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 years to come. That sadly hasn't been a realization that um, they've experienced, and so. He's in a position where he, he, you know, there isn't any, it doesn't look or appear to be any chance of winning any significant trophies in the immediate future. He's, of course, getting on a bit. He's 28 years of age now. So, of course, you, you think that he's coming into the prime years of his career and um, he wants to, you know, challenge at the very top level, play in the Champions League, win the top uh, trophies. And, of course, you guys both alluded to the fact that the the significant piece here, of course, is that man, Daniel Levy, who is an absolute shrewd negotiator. So, I mean, in terms of the future of Harry Kane, realistically, what do you guys think happens? Um, of course, there's been rumours that have said that he's going to agitate for a move should Tottenham not qualify for Champions League. How realistic do you think that is? How How likely is it that he gets a move away from Spurs um, come the summer in the event that they don't make top four. Dej, let's, let's kick off with you on this one. Yeah, this is the interesting one. I think we all remember, I think in the first lockdown, uh, Harry Kane had an Instagram live with Jamie Redknapp 
and usually you get those robotic answers that I'm happy at the club, this and that. But he came out and he gave an answer that was very eyebrow raising, to say the least. He was saying that, you know, I'm not here to hang about like football. I want to win trophies. If we're not improving, I'm not saying, yes, I'm going to leave. But I'm not saying I'm going to stay either. So when we sort of fast forward that 12 months and we sort of check Tottenham's position, have they improved? You know, and the answer is no. They haven't really improved. If anything, they've receded. They've gone backwards. The whole point of bringing Mourinho in was to win a trophy. And Harry Kane, as you mentioned, he's getting on 27, going on 28. We've always heard, yeah, these young boys, they're going to win a trophy. Give them some time. But time waits for no man in this sport. And I remember seeing a stat that I think he scored the most goals in the Premier League or something without winning the trophy. And he needs to start, you know, knocking on that door and winning these trophies to justify your career because it's all right at the end of your career saying I scored this amount of goals, but you want to see those trophies, Premier Leagues, Champions Leagues. And I think the time has come for him to knock on the door to Daniel Levy and ask if he can move because when you speak to Tottenham fans, they're a bit compassionate. They say, you know, we're a mess at the moment. Enoch are a mess. We're not investing correctly. And for Harry Kane, he's put a lot into this project, you know, staying when he could have left before and signing that new contract. So I think the time has come for Harry Kane to say, you know what, I want to move on to pastures new. And there will be a lot of suitors, you know, Manchester United, Man City. And I think this pandemic might aid Harry Kane in moving, to be honest, because Tottenham have lost a lot of money throughout the pandemic. Obviously, their stadium was a purpose-built to host NFL football. That income stream has gone. The Premier League has gone. So his value would have gone down, you know, drastically as all players. So I think if any time he's going to move, it has to be now. Slightly disagree. I think the pandemic has made it even harder for Harry Kane to leave. I don't think any club in the world can fork up the sort of figures that Tottenham will want to even consider looking at an offer for Harry Kane, I think is going to be in excess of over 100 million, of course. And not many clubs have the money to fork out 100 million at the moment. Um, I spoke. I to think a, a Manchester United, I think a man, if there's one team that he's going to go to, I think it'll be a Manchester United. Over That's... a Manchester City? Yeah, I, think, I don't see Manchester City going for Kane, if I'm being honest. When I look at Manchester United, question marks over Martial, from everything I hear, they're probably looking to shift him off. Edison Cavani, apparently he's homesick. So that leaves a big void. And when you look at the team, obviously him starting up front, you've got Pogba, Bruno, Rashford in behind. That makes perfect sense. And Manchester United are a team that I can see forking out as you mentioned, it will have to be in excess of 100 million. And also there's question marks over Paul Pogba's future. No one knows if he's going to sign a new contract. So the sort of money Manchester United will probably recoup from that Pogba signing could be used to sanction a, a Kane deal. I think he's definitely on that list for Manchester City. Obviously, we all know that Manchester City are in the market for a tier one striker. Lukaku, Haaland, Harry Kane, you know, are leading that list. So it, I, I I don't see Daniel Levy saying, all right, Man United, come and take Harry Kane. Let's let's make things clear. We all know that Harry Kane wants to leave Tottenham. That's that goes without saying. 
And I actually, you know, spoke to a few contacts last week and asked them, oh, do you think Harry Kane will leave this summer? And they're like, no, he wants to, but he's not going to push for the move and no one's going to be willing to pay the fee to get him out of Tottenham. So, unfortunately, I see Harry Kane stuck at Tottenham for another year at least. To be fair, if Tottenham do not get the Champions League, I see him pushing and knocking on the door and saying, hey, what's going on? Like I'm 27, 28 now. I need to be playing Champions League top-tier football for the rest of my career. So mm. I actually disagree with that point that he's just going to sit still and you know be calm and relaxed with the situation of not playing Champions League and not wanting to progress his career. I think last one before we round up, I think if you go back to last summer, the absolute mess of the Jadon Sancho transfer negotiations Manchester United had with Dortmund. And I think... Getting Harry Kane out of Tottenham is going to be even more difficult than negotiating with Dortmund. So I just can't see Man United getting this deal done with because it's going to be a very complicated deal that involves a lot of money. And we all know Daniel Levy is not going to budge lightly. He's only going to sell if he gets the valuation that he wants. And there's going to be nothing more to say on that. To be fair, last one on this one. I think when we talk of Harry Kane, we're talking about an emotional connection He's got emotional ties to Tottenham. So if he goes to Daniel Levy compassionately and says, boss, if we can fork up the money that you're okay with, can I leave? And I think, again, as I mentioned, Tottenham are in a precarious financial position, Mm -hmm. like a lot of English teams. So the way I see it, Daniel Levy might think, "Mm, you know what, this might not be a bad idea to cash in because for me, this is probably going to be the last summer where Tottenham hold the strength to get, you know, a big figure for Harry Kane. Last one, very quickly, boy. <laughs> We're playing the game of last one. <laughs> I know Dej says that and, yeah, fair point. But Harry Kane's season this season is the best season of his career, in my, my opinion. I think he's probably leading the race with E.K. Gundogan to win the PFA Player of the Year. I think that's mm-hmm. how sensational he's been this season. So... It's going to be one of those ones where his stock is currently at its highest. So I cannot see a team saying, you know, I'm going to pay the 150 million to get Harry Kane out of Tottenham. Last one from me. I'm joking. (laughs) (laughs) Just, uh, just, um, I suppose a a bit of a a segue slash um, veering off on a tangent on this one. Do you feel that the potential Harry Kane suitors are only domestic? Can you can you envisage a, a, a circumstance where he goes a, a, to a team abroad? Do you feel that there are any teams that could potentially be interested and can structure a deal that could pay that kind of fee, or is it just is it just the, the big power? I think the whole house? world will be interested in Harry Kane. Whether you yeah. can pay the fee to get him, I don't see PSG doing it. Barcelona, we know financially they're in an absolute mess at the moment. Mm. Real Madrid, I think they're the one club that will somehow manage to get a deal done. But I think their priority is Erling Haaland. Fair play. Okay. And just to wrap things up now, um, thank you guys for sharing your your thoughts on on, on uh, the game and, of course, uh, Tottenham and, and the future of the club and, and Harry Kane. The, the, the one final question I wanted to ask you both is, if, say, Harry Kane does stay at Tottenham um, and he doesn't win a trophy in his career but he becomes the all-time leading goal scorer in Premier League history uh, and surpasses uh, Alan Shearer's record. Um, 
is is that enough of an accolade for him to be remembered as one of the all-time greats, for him to be inducted into the future Hall of Fame? Of course, we saw recently that the, the two initial inductees were uh, uh, Thierry Henry and, and Alan Shearer. Is his goal-scoring exploits enough to get Harry Kane in, in that discussion as well? Or does he absolutely need to win trophies to cement his legacy? I think if he breaks Alan Shearer's record, of course, he'll go down in the Hall of Fame. But I think this is one of personal ambition. When you speak to all footballers, when they talk about what do they want to do in their careers, it's winning trophies, it's putting trophies on that mantelpiece. It won't be enough for Harry Kane to win Man of the Match balls and put that into his trophy wood. He wants hard Premier League, Champions League, FA Cup trophy. So I think if he breaks that record, of course, he'll be a Premier League legend and a Tottenham legend. But to sort of make your stock go even higher, to talk about the best players or the best strikers to ever play in the Premier League, you're going to have to do what Aguero done, Thierry Henry, to mix it in that calibre, in my opinion. Fair play. Dot, any thoughts to add on that? Not much. I just want to say Harry Kane is a Premier League great, absolute, you know, wonderful player, outstanding striker, world-class finisher. He He's going to go down as a Premier League legend. And I think to be regarded by the rest of the world, he needs to get some trophies in his cabinet. Fair play. And whether or not he does so, we'll have to wait and see. The general feeling is that it's not going to be likely, certainly not with the way things are looking at Tottenham, unless there is a huge overhaul, unless they get in a bright young uh, manager with great and fresh ideas and, and, and you know, they, they invest significantly in that starting eleven. Um, will they do that? Will Daniel Levy, uh, you know, release this, the purse strings given the financial climate of the club at this point in time, given the, the, the global pandemic, given the debt that they're in with the stadium? We've got to wait and see. But it was a very, very interesting um, debate and, and discussion that we did have on that. Um, very, very interesting. Of course, we're going to wait and see what happens in, in the coming months and, 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 and in the transfer market, of course. Um, we're going to leave it there. Thank you very much, guys. Thank you to all of you listeners for tuning in up until this point in time. Uh, another reminder before we sign off, look below. You can see a little thumbs up sign. I just need you to hit that button, hit the like button, hit the subscribe button, sign up for all notifications. So whenever we drop a new video, you can always be first to see it, watch it, hear it, uh, so on and so forth. Um, follow us on Twitter. It's at podcast underscore TBG and on Instagram at pod underscore TBG. Uh, make sure you guys keep it locked. We've got new, fresh content coming for you regularly, weekly. Um, so, you know, keep keep supporting us, keep helping us grow our platform. We want to reach new eyes and new ears. And we can't do that unless we have your support. So please continue to support us. And until the next episode, we're going to catch you guys. Budge.dej over and out. Peace. <laughs> Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet. But if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home internet. Cox is the real home internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com slash internet for details. 
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer after for years to come try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee plus get 15% off your first order at bolandbranch.com code buttery exclusions apply see site for details